0: welcome to a new edition of the famous interviews with joe domino on this episode we talk with volunteer philanthropist podcast host and marketing communications professional anika jackson along with all of these titles she's also a mother and a graduate adjunct professor at usc annenberg school for communication and journalism as a marketer she has done it all including experimental marketing event production launch marketing public relations digital and an influencer throughout her multiple decade career in anika's newest role she is the vp of operations for a full capacity marketing a full service agency focused on uplifting workforce development and educational institutions she has some deep kansas city roots we get into we cover all of that and so much more. Enjoy this interview. How are you, Joe? I'm excellent. How are you today? I am good. I'm
1: glad to finally meet you.
0: Absolutely. Nice to meet you. Where are you coming out of?
1: I'm uh, in Redondo Beach, California, but I'm actually a Jayhawk by birth.
0: Oh, I got gotcha. you. I funny. I got a great KU story for you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I basically sided with KU because MUKU, that whole thing exists in Kansas City pretty hardcore. So- <laughs> This year, I went to a Royals game. It was kind of a pre-Father's Day game, and it was against the Angels. Mm Otani and Trout, and all of them are there. Otani hits a home run, gets thrown out. Trout hits a home run. It's hot. My son wanted to leave, and I'm like, no, we got to stay, but it was KU day. Okay, so all the cheerleaders, all the players, the basketball, football players are all out there throwing out the first pitch, but just KU was in the air. A rookie kid that day hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth and won the game. Mm -hmm. They went crazy. Okay. I'm so, sure. so this weekend, there was a doubleheader for a minor league team and it was KU day. I had no idea it was a doubleheader. Same I'm thing. Sorry. Both games had this weird, mysterious aura around it. And it was both KU days. So amazing.
1: Yeah. I great. lived in Kansas City for a few years after high school and then, uh, moved around, but I have a lot of family there still. Okay. Um, so it was a whole thing. Like my boyfriend is from Philly. OK, so I usually I root a lot for the Philly teams, except I also root for the Chiefs. So the Super yeah. Bowl, you can uh-huh. imagine we had uh-huh. like both flags up. I was wearing like I, I supported his Eagles for the first, like wearing my Eagles shirt the first half. And then I switched to my Chiefs and he was very heartbroken when uh, when he lost to us. But
0: <laughs> I tell him this, if he has any sway over reporters in the nation, never, <laughs> ever bet against the Chiefs. Everybody did. And we really thrive when we're the underdog. Yeah. Like no one picked us. Like I remember leading up to that game, I was like, somebody's going to get in there and pick the Chiefs. Nope. It just makes us go, you know? So, yeah. yeah. But it was a good Super Bowl. At the, at the end of the day, you know, it, it could have gone either way.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know? So, yeah.
0: Well, well, hey, it's great to meet you. And before we dive into your life and your work and really me- what makes you who you are, mm-hmm. the last three years with COVID was quite a thing. Mm-hmm. And, It did its own thing to all of us. How did you survive it? And how has it changed you now that we're in this new post-pandemic period of our lives?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Something interesting happened during COVID. I had just moved back to Los Angeles from Houston uh, after being in Houston for eight years in 2019. And so I was still figuring out my new normal, moving to a new job, trying to find a job, right? Because I had a company in Houston it was still it still existed after I moved, but the pandemic really kiboshed it because it was a social club. It was all about in-person get-togethers. We had a retail store and a clubhouse. That all went away. Um so I started freelancing back in PR and marketing for different clients. And then I started getting so many referrals during the pandemic because everybody realized that they needed somebody to help them with this, because everybody was online looking for the same things, trying to do the same things. So I kept getting client after client after client and ended up building an agency during the pandemic. So it was actually a great time for me. low expenses, all virtual, learning a lot, making mistakes, but also having some good wins. I also worked for a company that did COVID testing in communities. And so the two two of the three women who founded this nonprofit uh, and this tech company were ER doctors. And they saw, okay, there's a lot of people who aren't coming to the hospital to get treatment. People don't feel safe going to the hospital. And a lot of people in communities of color don't have regular doctors or regular care. So we created kind of like block party style, drive-through COVID testing, very safe, very efficient with food and giveaways, music. We try to make it a little... As enjoyable experience as that can be in a time when everybody's scared, right? Yeah. Uh, and we did that in Queens, in Atlanta, in Oakland, all throughout Los Angeles. And so that was something that was really impactful and really helped carry me through as well. Cause I felt like I could, I still got to see people safely masked, testing, all the stuff, but I also got to make an impact.
0: Yeah. So you have so many things on paper that are a part of who you are. Volunteer, (laughs) podcast host, philanthropist, you know, marketing, communications, all of these things that are who you are. But let's simplify this a little bit. Let's get to the essence of what you do. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. (laughs) And one of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child?
1: I help people and their companies figure out how to get their messages to the right people in the right market. So I help them figure out who their audience is and how to get those people to buy their service, buy their program, want to work with them, want to partner with them. So really, I say, I, I guess a, d- a different way of saying that is I amplify people's brands yeah. to help share their messages with the world.
0: And it's so necessary. Cause you could have the best idea in the world, but if it's not getting targeted correctly, it's just not going to do any, any good. So when you were in the third grade, what did you want to be when you grew up? What was your dream?
1: Oh, I wanted to be an author. Well, an author and an astronaut and probably at some point president, you know, all the things that you go through, uh, Uh, the things that have stuck with me are, I still love writing. I don't get as much time to do it as I'd love to, but I find ways now I write for clients, right. Or I, I can write articles, um, I have to write things when I am teaching university. So I still get a little bit, but someday in the distant future, perhaps the near future, I'd love to just have dedicated time to just write.
0: So there's always the gateway drug, so to speak. (laughs) What was the, what was the book for you? What was the book that made you say, ah, I got it. I either want to write or I want to read as much as I can.
1: Oh, I don't know if I have one particular gateway book. I was a voracious reader. Yeah. But there's a book, I don't remember who the author is, but it was called The Girl with Silver Eyes. And it was about people who are different and they had to go to a special school. And I remember reading that in elementary school. And then later in life, Fahrenheit 451 is something that was really impactful to me. Yeah. So just, yeah, the whole concept of banning books and burning books, like in that, in that book, firemen burn books. Right? Yeah. Um, and so it's all it's there's a lot of things that come up with that and that the tradition of storytelling from person to person was a big part of that book. Um So I, I always think about that and the narrative and how we communicate with each other. Yeah. And how we keep traditions live.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was so good. So that first book you mentioned, was that kind of about a special needs person or was that kind of a precursor to this more enlightened era of special needs?
1: Probably, I, you know? I think. Yeah, I was thinking it more because it was like, if you had silver eyes and you had special powers and this and that. Yeah. You know what? I've never thought about, I haven't thought about that book since you asked that question. Probably. Yeah. And, uh, but that's a really, it, I'm now going to have to go back and check. Yeah. That's a I'd, good point on it.
0: I'd be interested in seeing what the backdrop is of the yeah. author and, and how that came out. So let me ask you this as someone that's obviously very highly driven. Who's been a hero for you? A motivator for you?
1: Hmm. My mom, my mom is a huge motivator for me. She is from Thailand and came to the U.S. to go to school. Uh, she came first to Chico State in California to go to college. She was supposed to go back to Thailand to run her mom's school, but ended up marrying my dad, staying here. They made their way to Kansas, actually. My dad was getting his doctorate. He ended up teaching at Johnson County Community College okay. in Overland Park, which you might be familiar with. Uh-huh. And that's where we lived. But I always saw her persevere. Yeah. She didn't speak great English when she came here. Um, And it's it's the same tradition of that journey, right? The immigrant journey. Come yeah. here for a better life. You try to do everything you can. You pour into your kids. You work hard. And so I always saw her work hard. And it wasn't until I didn't really appreciate it, probably until I graduated from high school and <laughs> moved out. And went, oh my gosh, now I see it all. Now I understand when my parents got divorced, why my dad's friends still talked so highly of my mom and what a special person she was. And we still have a great relationship to this day. But I I really see her as a a big role model for how I want to be a mom to my daughter and how I want to show up as a person.
0: So let's go back to where you were born and raised and what these seeds that were put into you to become who you are, to do the work that you do. Talk to me a little Mm -hmm. bit about that.
1: Sure. I was born in Lawrence, Kansas. Go Jayhawks. (laughs) And um grew up there. I was very inquisitive. So I was always trying to explore. Ended up spending a lot of time going to Kansas City to just meet different kinds of people and listen to different kinds of music and expand my horizons. And my mom was a social worker. My dad's side, both sides actually have a long line of entrepreneurs and teachers. And then on my dad's side, my grandmother was also a social worker. So I always had this push pull of wanting to give back and figure out how I can help serve, but also how do I, how do I be in business? And what does that look like? And can the two coexist and can they coexist where I'm still making a living (laughs) and not just pouring it all out into other people? Which I tell you sometimes can be an issue, right? When you have, when you want to give, sometimes it is hard to, to put, realize, okay, you have to put yourself and your family first, but it really comes down to the, that, family history.
0: So if you so if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be?
1: Oh my gosh. One person that comes to mind is Warren Buffett. Okay. So just I he's such a great example of living a humble life and knowing what's important. Yeah. And seeing the end, right? He doesn't just do things because he sees a quick uh cash flow. He, he really, even though it might be quick, he also sees what is longevity of this project or this company? What can he and his people do to improve the efficiencies and how not every company, but I think a lot of, he also pours into what is serving the greater good. And he's, so, but he's making a lot of money while doing it, right? Yeah. So. Uh
0: huh. <laughs> Yeah, he has definitely has a method that's intriguing. So my question to you is for someone like him, he definitely has a spark. He has a motivation every day. What is that for you? What is it for you that leads you through your proverbial day to get things done the way you want to get them done?
1: That is always a struggle. There are so many, as you said, I, I'm multi hyphenated. There's always a lot of distractions. So I've really been trying to hone in on what is most important for me right now, my daughter. It comes first. She'll come above work. She'll come above, you know, relationships, anything else, making sure she's in high school, really making sure, you know, she has her journey. She knows what she wants to do. She's very driven. It's my job as a parent, not to change her, but just to help guide her and give her advice and support her in her endeavors. And if she seems to be veering off, then to, you know, give her some case examples of things that I did that maybe I would take back if I could go back in time or good examples of things that I did that she can maybe learn from.
0: Yeah. Of all of the professional journeys you've been on, what's been the best client success story you've been involved with?
1: Ooh, you ask such great questions, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) One of, I would go back to the COVID client So Shared Harvest Fund and Shared Harvest Foundation, it was originally created as um, a volunteer tech platform because student loan debt is a real issue. There's a lot of debate on it, and it particularly affects immigrants and people of color. And the women who founded this nonprofit were three women doctors who saw a need to create a way for people to chip away at their student debt while not having the mental anguish that they were seeing some of their friends go through and indeed some of their family members go through um, suicide, depression, you know, a number of things, trying to figure out how do you chip away at all this debt? Well, you have a job that looks like it's a great paying job, but you still have hundreds of thousands of dollars because you're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever profession. Uh, so they created a volunteer platform that matched nonprofits that needed services, but didn't have budgets with professionals who could provide those services. And, in return, the professional would get a stipend that went towards paying off their student loans. Yeah. So they had this whole infrastructure. And when COVID happened, they quickly pivoted it to, okay, we're going to do the same thing, but we're going to get everybody engaged in the work of COVID relief, COVID mental health, COVID testing. And so they were able to really quickly turn around and do this, and it's been a great model. They were able to get, I mean, they're still getting amazing press, but every local TV channel and PR, Amazon uh, had a show during the pandemic called Regular Heroes. So they had a segment on Regular Heroes where they got some grant money and got some publicity. So that was one of the greatest PR success stories in terms of I saw how it really helped affect their ability to do more work in the community and more good. And help on, on all sides of the equation, right? So that's one. Another one is uh, Kitty Credit. So they are an app, started out as an app to help kids learn about credit because another issue we have in the U.S. and probably other places as well is learning about finances. We don't really get taught what credit is and how to use it properly when we're going through the school system. So this was an app that kind of gamified and made it fun with like panda characters and parents could put in chores or activities and the kids would get a score that kind of mirrored a FICO score depending on did they do it in a timely fashion, how well did they do it. And then they could get rewards, and there are little credit lessons along the way. So that they've expanded that into curriculum, working with boys and girls clubs, Girl Scouts, different groups, as well as kind of coming out with a debit card for teenagers to start really learning before you get to college and you yep. start signing all these offers to get free pizza. Let's take it back so you actually learn about credit. And they received tons of publicity through the work we did with them to the point where then they were just on a roll. Starting to get a lot of publicity, starting to get a lot of great partnerships. So, you know, it's. I think it's still a struggle in the tech world, particularly when you are a, an entrepreneur who's a person of color. There's still, it's still hard to get funding in the tech world. It's not. You still have to have a lot of doors that's open. So both of those companies are still very much in that phase. But I've seen where I've been able to help them grow, and that the fact that they both are impact, but also business. That's really where my heart goes.
0: So let's say you have a dream tonight. You run into a 20-year-old version of yourself. You could give that young version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life. What would you tell that young version? And would that version of you listen?
1: (laughs) That version of me would definitely not listen. (laughs) I can tell you that. Oh, man. Uh, It's hard because everything we do in life, everything that's a mistake or, a oh, why did I do that? It gets us to be who we are today. So it's, it's hard to say what the right advice would be, but it would probably be save more. Don't feel like you have to give to everybody. Think about yourself a little more. Enjoy life a little more. Uh, I'd have a tendency to like throw myself into a million different things and just work, work, work. And then I forget about myself or forget about carving out that time for my partner, you know, or for my family. And so.
0: Yeah. So everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are?
1: That's really messy, Joe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, We don't want to go there then.
1: (laughs) I think I'm I'm a work in progress. I have had great success, but just like anybody else, I still have feelings of imposter syndrome sometimes, or am I doing enough? And I think what I'm trying to do right now is find that balance of I can still do these things that I really enjoy, but I also know that time is precious. So I'm trying to go between the, you know, you hear when people get to the end of their lives who've worked and worked and worked and they, they miss that time that they spent that quality time with friends and family. And so I'm, I'm in that space right now of mapping out my annual goals, my six month goals, my quarterly goals, my monthly goals, my weekly goals and really getting granular. So that I can show up to everything and everyone as the best version of myself, including showing up to myself as the best version of myself. So I guess that's what I would say. You know, we all have done. We all have different levels of success we judge ourselves on or that other people judge us on. And I think that's all great. At the end of the day, getting an award isn't going to give me time back with my kid. Yeah. And what she's doing, right? So I'm, so I'm really trying to say, okay, what am I doing that really is for my family and for me, and then build the rest of my life around it.
0: So, what did you like the best about Kansas City?
1: Ooh, honestly, I love going back now and visiting because it's changed so much, and it's yeah. the art district. One of I, I remember going into an art gallery and going, this used to be an abandoned bar that I lived in with multiple roommates. And sometimes we had electricity and sometimes we didn't in my early 20s. Yep. But what I loved was uh, the camaraderie. It People were really there for each other. Yeah. yeah I was very community oriented. I was a club kid. I was a promoter through raves. I did that whole thing in my, my late teens, early 20s in Kansas City. Um, it was a time of a lot of fun where we didn't have to have a lot of money to, but we all supported each other. Yeah. You know? That's cool. Yeah. So I love that, but I love going back and seeing how much it's grown and changed and how it's such a great city.
0: Yeah. It really has. It's grown up quite a bit. Um, So if anyone out there wants to hire you, learn more about you, get involved with anything that you provide, how can they do that?
1: There are a couple of ways. YourBrandAmplified.com everything clicks through to the company I do my work under, which is full capacity marketing. And we really focus on workforce development, education, nonprofits, and entrepreneurs, small business. And so those are the, there are core sectors that we provide services for everything from branding to public relations, to digital marketing strategy. Um, but you can hear the podcast, get a lot of lessons from that. You can see everything else that we're doing, even click through to some of our free workshops that we've done. If you just want to get some basic knowledge, because I think everybody needs to have information to do the best that they can do. And it shouldn't always cost a ton of money, right? When you're starting out as a small business and entrepreneur, you need to conserve your resources and be really smart about it. And so that's one of my goals with working with people.
0: Excellent. Anika, this has been so good. Thank you for your story. I love the Kansas City touch. best (laughs) of luck with everything (laughs) awesome
1: thank you so much Joe
0: thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music and more from around the globe if you want to hear more interviews visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube you can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts thanks again for listening and until next time